Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expediters Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Barker, and today we are talking about systems thinking and what taking a holistic view of your supply chain can bring. To ring in the new year and wax philosophical with me is our Vice President of Strategy and Innovation, Pat St. Laurent. Pat, welcome back. Good morning. Good, good afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it is a pleasure you. to have you back. It's a pleasure to see you again. What have you been up to uh, this last year since we, I mean, it's been a while since we've had you on here, but yeah. uh, within strategy and innovation, what has your team been been up to? Well, we're, we're innovating. We've got a whole bunch of things going on, trying to move some balls forward, um, killing off some things that aren't going to succeed and pushing things forward that are. Um, this past year, I spent a lot of time with customers, mm-hmm. a lot of time with customers. And uh, it looks like 24 is shaping up to be a repeat of that, so, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is my favorite place to be. With whatever you can share, what have you been working on with customers and what have resulted from these projects? Well, I think a lot of customers are, are sort of uh, visiting the, the massive question of post-pandemic, what does supply chains need to look like to mm-hmm. thrive in the, you know, the next period, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of customers are asking themselves what they're going to do about AI. Oh, yeah. And how the world of AI is going to sort of reshape the ecosystem in which they work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really interesting stuff. That's got to be pretty cool just to like looking into that. I know in, within my world of media production, AI is in all the tools that, that are being out there. Um, lots of new tools, lots of new companies are using it in, in very interesting ways. So seeing it used in, and applied in supply chain sounds really interesting. Yeah. Really We're still at the very beginning of it. Everybody yeah. right now is just the, the way I say it. They're in a search of good use cases mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that give them the appropriate benefit while giving them a level of risk that they're willing to tolerate. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. So um, this topic in particular, systems thinking, before we dive further into it, I wanted to establish some baseline definitions here for the audience. And honestly, for myself, because this is something that I'm still relatively new to, um, and even though you and I have talked about it before, but what is systems thinking and how does it apply to the the discipline of supply chain management? Well, it, this is a lot easier to think about than to say, so I'm going to try to define it the best way I can without okay. directly uh, paraphrasing what I was told by uh, many other people. But um, it, the systems thinking is that the performance of a system mm-hmm is not the sum of the performance of the parts of the system. It's the product of the interactions between the parts. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So the human body is a system. For sure. An individual part of the body can't do what the human body is designed to do, but the human body as a whole can. Mm -hmm. Think about supply chain. Supply chain as a whole is a system with lots and lots and lots of moving parts. Um, If you optimize each part individually, each part in itself will be amazing. That doesn't mean the supply chain will be amazing. Right, the right. supply chain will be amazing if the way that the parts interact between each other is amazing. That's the essential. Uh, that That's my version of describing uh, systems thinking as it relates to supply chain. Yeah. So even though you're optimizing each individual part, you're, if you're still operating in a very fragmented fashion, right. you're not really truly optimizing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Uh, what got you interested in this topic anyways? Uh, wow. <laughs> Let's see. The first thing I, I saw a video of a gentleman named Russell, a- Dr. Russell Acoff, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who, who died, I think in tw- 2009, but okay. somewhere in the seventies, he did a, a presentation at a university that was filmed on systems thinking. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I knew, oh my goodness, this is, this is like, I won't say life-changing stuff, but it radically changed my mentality on the topic of supply chain management. Right, the first time I saw it, which was back probably in 2005 or six. Sure. Um, then I read a book by a professor from MIT named Peter Senge, and the book is called The Fifth Discipline. Mm-hmm. The Fifth Discipline, essentially being systems thinking. 
uh, and that just solidified it. And since then, I've become a student of it, and I start to see supply chain behaviors and company behaviors that are directly, uh, let's say, in violation of some of the good <laughs> principles of system thinking. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, which is probably why you and I are sitting here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and with systems thinking and in the examples that you've seen in the past, where has it been? What industry has it had greatest impact on? Oh, gosh. Or at least well, what tends to be the, the examples you use when trying to explain systems thinking? Uh, holistic healthcare. Okay, yeah. That, that's a really good example. Really good example. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. And, and then so what were the realizations of that? Or I guess what has resulted in systems thinking applied to healthcare that you've seen? I don't even know if I got a good answer to that. Sure. Uh, I just know that the, the approach is logical because mm-hmm. you're looking at the performance of your system as a human body. Uh, versus at looking at each individual part, right? Right, which is what a lot of specialists tend to do, uh, and they maybe aren't as good at recognizing the interdependence between the parts. Mm-hmm, I and mean, that's mm-hmm. exactly the to me, anyways. That's exactly the reason why holistic healthcare makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. Right. All right. Well, let's get into the supply chain sure. aspect of it. Um, so we've already established what sub, uh, systems thinking is, but what kind of challenges? can companies expect when trying to adopt a systems thinking mindset? How expensive is it? What's the cost here to really, I guess, to assess and then develop and then and then apply some systems thinking? Well, um, gosh, I think the first thing, let's let's look at the things that, that make it difficult, right? Sure. And I would say the first thing that makes it difficult is metrics that reward departmental or functional behaviors, right? So optimizing for goals that are discrete goals for your function mm-hmm. that may be goals that advance your function, but may not be an advancement of the per- function of the whole company, of the, excuse me, the performance of the company. So give me a couple of examples here. Um, I'll give you the example of the classic conflict, right? Okay. Uh, function A is trying to lean out inventory levels, while function B is simultaneously trying to grow revenue by improving service levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the the inventory leanness makes it difficult to increase fill rates, which are a key metric in service levels, and therefore you in, you've created a conflict by having two competing goals that aren't in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. You you should decide that you either want to increase service levels, which may imply um, a, a slight increase in inventory levels, or you decide that cash is more important. You're going to optimize inventory levels and possibly a small sacrifice in service levels. Mm-hmm. But if the, if the person who owns the inventory levels and the person who owns the customer's level, service levels have metrics that motivate their team's behaviors towards their goal, then you may or may not get the result of the system that you want. And it means feel- the company technically suffers because the metrics are uh, creating conflict. Right. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. It, it's everyone wants to succeed, but they're doing so not by a single mission, by their own individual right. departmental or, or exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen many companies where you could look at every every department gets a gold star, <laughs> but the supply chain gets a bronze star. Like, how is this even possible? <laughs> right. But it happens all the time. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. All right. So, what are the challenges? Do you see uh, compensation? Okay. Re- rewarding people with bonuses and raises and promotions based on uh, functional excellence. Right. So if you really want to make a, a system perform better, you've got to figure out metrics that that are uh, related to the system performance and subordinate the functional metrics to the system metrics. Hmm. Then, then you would have everybody pushing in the direction of what's good for the enterprise, and they wouldn't be subjected to, uh, you know, not making bonus because their function didn't perform. 
because their function would perform exactly how it's supposed to, which is in support of enterprise goals, not in support of their own private goals. Okay, I think I'm catching on here. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> not easy. No, no, no. It's 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 all it is complex stuff. But I but I I think I understand at least in my in my own simple words. It sounds like you want to try and define the motivations of all the in, independent parts or all the parts that are working together, mm-hmm. right? Um, you want them to try to work with a single vision in mind, mm-hmm. um, and that may come into conflict with what their own individual or departmental goals are. Correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So another challenge that I see then from from these first two examples is advocacy in terms of trying to convince others that systems thinking is an approach to take, because whoever's choosing these metrics may not be taking the whole you know the organizational goals in mind. They're still thinking within within the confines of of their own departments. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you get people signed on to systems thinking when they are they, they already know what metrics that they feel are the most important to them? Right. Now you're asking for different metrics because it, it takes something larger. It has like a wider scope of impact. Is that sure. do you get my yeah, question? I'm getting you. And I want yeah, yeah. I want to take a step back okay. first, and then let's get to that one. The first thing is you <laughs> said, well, how did we get here to begin with? Because sure. that in itself is a fabulous, interesting story. <laughs> sure. um, I have a very simplistic um, sort of cartoon grade. Uh, way I explain this to people, mm-hmm. which is let's go back to when we were kids and it was hot outside and you decided to make a lemonade stand out mm-hmm. in front of your house, right? Mm-hmm. So you and your friend would be like, let's like, let's make a lemonade stand and sell lemonade to people that are passing by. Um, so you do that. There was two of you, you're standing there, you're both kind of doing the job. And then it starts to get busy and your third friend sees you and says, can I help? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, what do you want me to do? Okay, why don't you make, I serve and you take cash. And Right from that moment, you've divided by function mm. to support growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now look at look at a giant company with a hundred thousand employees. Sure, and take that to the extreme where they've divided by function to scale for growth, and they've put uh, people at the top of these functional organizations that may not always have the company's interests at heart because they may be people who are. Uh, you know, narcissistic or egotistical. I mean, it's not like fiefdoms within within the larger, right? Yeah. So, and then you you add to that the fact that the company's um, compensation and reward system Mm -hmm. is designed to make them even more focused on their own departmental goals, right? Right. So that's that's kind of a a very simplistic way of saying how we got here. Mm -hmm. So breaking free of that is no small task. Of course. And and I think if you ask the average person, they'd say, well, it's a failure of leadership that there's no systems thinking. Right. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, I don't know that a C-level executive needs to walk around and go, you know what, we need to fix this whole company by turning it upside down and employing systems thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, People in the bottom, in the middle of the organization can do just as good of a job at at socializing the idea of unifying projects. Like, let's work together to make something happen. And let's tell our respective superiors why we are doing something together that advances the company's interest and ask for relief on the goals that you have had prior to that that may be at conflict with the company's interest. Mm -hmm. And at least test that, and you may find out that there's more hospitality for this way of thinking than you maybe otherwise have thought. So it can come from anywhere, really. And I think getting more people to adopt this this mindset too gives for greater concern for everyone's success. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're, everyone's looking at things holistically, um, there's a lot more, I guess, like harmony within uh, interpersonally with yeah. in, a, in an organization, not just yeah. in the functions, but just the, the, the culture itself sounds yeah. like. Well, there, there's another reason, which is the the 
let's put it this way. The level of understanding you have about your company's daily operations are probably um, as wide in scope as you have access to data for, Mm -hmm. right? So if I'm in procurement, do I know much about the sell-through data of my product in the retail channel or in the web channel? Probably not. I'm in procurement. So Mm -hmm. I have my procurement systems and I know what I'm doing with my suppliers and with my spend and all of that good stuff, right? Um, The access to enterprise-wide data makes it far more difficult for people in a function A to understand what's going on in function B. Uh, very commonly, people have a pretty good idea what happens in the departments to the left of them and to the right of them is sure. your sort of overall company workflow. But beyond that, most of what they know is anecdotal. They they hear things, they talk to people, very sort of serendipitous comments that you get. You might show up in a meeting where they'll learn some things. But if you ask them, do you really understand how the sales organization is is managing forecasts with demand planners and how that sort of, you know, how that, uh, that the output of that work comes to me as a supply planner. Do I really understand it? Well, it depends. What are the reports they're giving me look like? Mm -hmm. And that's my level of understanding. So, um, fragmented partial latent data is a major reason why companies struggle to sort of adopt this more systems thinking approach. I want to challenge it with the question of Okay, so then an individual has only so much bandwidth that they can, you know, understand how their organization works. You know, the, within the, you know, being able to be excellent at their own job. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this not? Does a system thing not strain an individual to or ask too much of them to try and be um, looking at their company in a much more holistic way? Yes. <laughs> so, how do you, so how do you approach that? Um, or what, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. Gosh, you know, it's like, well, I, let's put it this way. I don't know a supply chain practitioner in a role that's Shoot. not trying to solve the riddle of, uh, you know, visibility to enterprise-wide data. Like mm-hmm. everybody is. That's a huge issue, right? So uh, making more data-driven decisions versus tribal knowledge decisions or anecdote-based decisions, right? When you have no time to go through the process of analyzing data, even if you wanted to, you can't. So you've got to just rely on your gut and instinct, right? But yeah, it's it's frustrating. Uh, and I don't know anybody who doesn't want it to be much better. It just isn't yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where you wonder the extent to which AI is going to impact that. Because if theoretically, if, if AI could go and just pull copious amounts of data from your internal systems and synthesize it into a cohesive story that you could consume through a natural language query. Like, you know, dear system, um, tell me what the last three quarters of sell-through data for this product look like, mm-hmm. and then compare it to the supply plan and tell me what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's no reason why uh, AI could not process such a query, um, because the reason you can't do it is because you don't have the bandwidth nor the tools to process, to analyze that much data. Right. But AI, that's not one thing it suffers from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So so that's an example of maybe maybe sort of penetrating insights into the whole organization is something that will come very quickly with the uh, advent of AI. Do you think that it's possible for a company to transform into a, a systems thinking or is that... Is it- I mean, it's obviously easier for a new company to sure. take on that approach. Um, but what about for the companies that have been around for a long time? Uh, not, it, well, nothing's easy. Sure. <laughs> but, but you know what? In supply chain, nothing is easy. Sure, sure. Nothing is ever easy in supply chain, right? Every single move you make has a dependency 
on another move somewhere else. And, uh, you know, sometimes, the, 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 you know, you can see them clearly. Like the example I mentioned before, mm -hmm. if you reduce inventory, it's hard to increase service levels. Okay. That's a real simple connection, right? And anybody can see that. But there are many, many other connections uh, that are not nearly as obvious. And uh, th those are the ones that go sort of under the hood. Mm -hmm. I have a great example of, uh, of a DC manager who gets a call one day from a customer to put goods on a truck for them that night, even though they only placed an order at three o'clock mm -hmm. and the cutoff for orders is noon. So they're trying to pull a favor, like, hey, I want, I, need, I just got this order. Can you get it on a truck tonight yeah. so I can get it quickly? <laughs> and then you think about the phone calls that take place to make something happen and who knows who. And next thing you know, the goods are on a truck. Sure. Uh, the problem is they were not on the common carrier that you normally use. They were on FedEx. Why? Because the FedEx truck was on your dock latest. Sure. And uh, then you think, well, who got the bill for that? Well, the domestic transportation budget took the hit for it. But I promise you that person wasn't in the loop when they decided to do it, right? So this is a classic example of I, I'm going to work at the company for my own good, which right. is, you know, the sales reps trying to get their customers at the order. Sure. The DC leader is trying to please the sales rep. So everybody manages to pull off this little quote unquote miracle. The mm -hmm. customer's thrilled. But the guy who gets the bill at the end of the month is like, what? Yeah. So imagine a world where no one has to take the fall. Right. Yeah. Well, at least maybe that person should be consulted. Do you mind spending more money on, on this uh, shipment to yeah. satisfy this customer? Because yeah. they may have said yes. Right, 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 right. If satisfying that customer was worth more than the difference between the standard truck bill and the FedEx bill, then it was a good decision. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they didn't consult him means maybe it wasn't a good decision because mm -hmm. he might have said no. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a really simplistic example, but yeah. that stuff happens every day. That's wild. Every day. So then what would a successful implementation look like? Or what have you seen in the time that you've been uh, looking at systems thinking? Have you seen anything out there within the supply chain that, that shows that it can be applied? I think so. I, I, the, the examples that I'm sort of close to, I would say are all partial. Okay. But I'll give uh, full credit for partial. I mean, partial is good because once people... It's like any good practice. Once you see it in action and people come in, they give you reports out about how things are going. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of wants to replicate it. So, um, and this is one of those things, like there's no bad in systems thinking. It's all good. And if people that are practicing it communicate effectively, uh, then anybody who listens to them is going to want to replicate that and create their, their own success. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely know some companies that I think are really good at it. Uh, and you could talk to somebody who's a logistics leader, who is commonly somebody that we talk to in expediters. Mm -hmm. um, and you hear them talk about things like, you know, the, the sales performance and customer service and, and procurement and demand planning. And you're like, they just, they're rattling things off. Like they really know it. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive because there's a lot of logistics leaders who wouldn't have a half or less of what you just explained mm -hmm. as, as things that matter to your peers in different departments. Right. And I think if you're going to be good at it uh, as a logistics leader, because logistics ties to so many things, right? Sure. Um, your job is to service internal customers. I mean, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. So um, start by figuring out what matters to them and then think about what you and your team can do to enable their outcomes to be better because that's your job, right? Um, and that in itself is a sort of really good grassroots way to start the process of adapting to systems thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm picking up that this is, yeah, this is far more than changing the way your company functions, but it's, it also requires social change, mm -hmm. cultural change, mm -hmm. um, 
that almost like that needs to be step one really yeah. it was just getting people signed on to the idea of hey well let's try to like work this way for a little bit and then and then create processes out of them afterward I, yes 100 yeah. percent. yeah think about think about a lunch and learn mm-hmm. where i'm i'm a logistics analyst i'm working in data i'm doing reports you know i'm doing my day job and my boss is the director of logistics and uh the demand planning team is uh you know in the lunchroom eating lunch and I barely know who any of those people are. <laughs> sure. Um, why not go in there and park your butt next to them at lunch and say, hey, guys, we are a service provider to your team. Mm-hmm. And I know that things that we do matter to you, but I have no idea how. Please share. Mm-hmm. And I think when you make yourself the student, whoever you're talking to will absolutely be delighted to be your teacher. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just have to be curious. And if you're sit behind your desk all day and do your reports and go home every night and aren't curious, you lose at systems thinking. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curiosity is your best friend because people will always talk if <laughs> you are willing to be in their audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And curiosity is a, it's a very special resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can just speak for myself. I, I wonder if it gets used enough, you know? And, and so it sounds like it requires a lot of curiosity and a vested interest to see how can I do my job better? Or how is whatever I'm doing impact others? Um, and, and what can I do to ease the pain on them? Yep. All right. So what role can be played by, you know, trading partners, whether they're uh, suppliers, customers, service providers to the companies whose supply chains that we're talking about? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you, you like to think you have more influence than you do. Okay. <laughs> Let's start with that. Everyone thinks uh, you're I special. I <laughs> sure. Hey, everybody just step aside. I mean, but no, it's true. You, you, I think if you, um, exhibit the kind of curiosity, and I'll just give you an example. So mm-hmm. for people that expediters, right, we are a service provider. Sure. We go into a customer and we might meet somebody who has a very siloed mentality, right? Mm-hmm. They only care about their logistics procurement, for example, right? And we're like, well, um, we'd like to understand, uh, the people that your procurement exercise is intending to serve. They have certain expectations of what you're doing. And we would love to understand what they are mm-hmm. uh, so that we can position a capability that satisfies your internal customers, not just the requirements that you've stated in an RFP. Mm-hmm. Now, if they tell you, no, <laughs> you cannot talk to them, uh, I guess you've met the the uh, the inertia that makes <laughs> systems thinking hard. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, that's where you can you can encourage them. Listen, I'm just trying to help you service your internal customers better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to pull a fast one here. I, I I just want to understand better how to position arguments in our bid response mm-hmm. that will help make your procurement exercise more valuable to your internal customer. So that's where I think um, maybe it's more aggressive curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't just ask and then get told no and then go sit in the corner because <laughs> no is not the answer I'm looking for, and I'm going to keep pushing because mm. I want to understand. Even if I make you go and get the answers and tell me what they are, and even if you're not completely honest with me, I'm still going to push, right? <laughs> uh, so at least when somebody who is a consumer of the services we provide right. can look at what we wrote and say, yeah, that is what I'm looking for, is that kind of thinking, right? Or that kind of capability, whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, because I was going to ask, like, who is best positioned then to display systems thinking is it the service provider is it the is it the customer um who do you think is i guess the best starting point to to start systems thinking and have it ripple out throughout the supply chain 
Oh man. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess in, in human nature, if you model good behavior, yeah. you're more likely to get it uh, mimicked. Sure. And if yeah. you don't, so it's anyone. So I would just say anyone. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> star dot star. Everybody. Right. Now, it, truthfully, if you went to a supply chain and you looked at a at a um, chief supply chain officer, that's probably the best way to start for a top down initiative. Sure. Yeah. Um, because that person may have demand planning, supply planning, logistics, you know, fulfillment, all those mm-hmm. things underneath their organization. So they they have lieutenants who own all of those things. They can get in a room. And they can tear apart their whole metrics and compensation system and redesign what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can do that. Sure, sure, sure. And and you know I've no doubt that whomever might be listening to this may go, hey Saint Laurent, come on man, you're <laughs> painting a dark picture. There's probably a lot more people doing it that I'm giving them credit for. Sure, sure. Uh, but the, when I look out the window, that's what I see, and mm-hmm. I only report what I see. Here, <laughs> making stuff up. Yeah, yeah. So, so top down is is most likely the path of least resistance. It sounds like, and because a company could be working in such a siloed fashion, I'm assuming that the leaders in those different various departments or those various functions want to do right by whoever's above them, right? Not so much by who's next to them. So if everyone's trying to please whoever's above them, then it has to start from the top. Right. To and if say, the people above them, yeah. Actually, like each other, <laughs> yeah. that would help. Yeah, <laughs> but if they're if they're like, I don't care about John. You know, we're 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 working for this department. Right. You know, that's that's the exact opposite of what mm. we need to embrace as a mentality for system thinking. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And again, I think there's in in supply chain management. You know, there used to never be such a thing. Right. It was like each department had their thing, and you had freight or traffic in the old days. What it was called, just delivery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, logistics was a term that was brought in to incorporate more than one discipline. So it wasn't just transportation. It was warehousing, transportation, and all the planning around that. Um, And supply chain is still a relatively young discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, everything that you see going on in global companies today is moving in the direction of a more sort of harmonized approach to the discipline of supply chain. Mm -hmm. So in in a way, it's sort of solving itself, but over over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of the the people that I'm referring to, the stereotypes, maybe also kind of guys that are my age, you know, (laughs) and uh, who, who spent 40 years in a certain way of doing things. And might be the younger crowd comes in and they shake things up and change things around. And it just happens kind of organically or very naturally. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking might happen. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. So last question here. If we're looking 30, 50 years, 100 years into the future, supply and systems thinking has just taken the world by storm and, and everything is, <laughs> you know, everything in supply chain is harmonized. What does that look like? What do you hope it looks like? I, was just, I hope you don't ask me for the people in it. No. That, that would be, uh, <laughs> yeah. What does it look like? Well, let's put it this way. Some years back, and this isn't very many years, there was a document I read on a 2028, believe it or not, okay. four short years from now, on <laughs> autonomous supply chains. And I'm like, hmm. Um, there's plenty of reasons to be skeptical sure. about autonomous supply chains. Sure. Uh, there's even more to be skeptical about anything happening by 2028. Yeah. But um, at some point, there's a lot of decisions made in supply chain management every single day that are extremely mathematical. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a level of nuance. There's a level of need for tribal knowledge and to, for rapid anecdote, uh, rapid recall of anecdotes and uh, sensitivities, you know, but there's going to be a lot of uh, codified operations in supply chain. And um, with AI, think about it. AI 
the knowledge of the world theoretically is mm-hmm. accessible instantly, right? So anything where a decision is rooted in data, theoretically, there's no need for quote unquote research. Mm-hmm. It's all instant. So the the whole, you know, the whole discipline, the whole ecosystem is going to be on its head in some number of years. Doubt four, but I doubt fifty either. Sure, somewhere yeah. a little closer. So I won't be working anymore, I think, but I'll probably still be alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting to the point where you can to look back and be like, you know what? Exactly. This is pretty cool. I remember when that was young. <laughs> when it was young, I remember the twenty twenty eight prediction that was made around 2020, 2021. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you were to, and I know you mentioned the book at the beginning of this conversation, but if there's any other content out there that you feel like you would rec- um, that you would want to recommend to folks, uh, what's out there? What's available? What is, right. What's really made an impact on you? Well, I think I think to me the the Russell Acoff thing is by now it's like 50 years old, sure. You know, and it's so you can find that on YouTube. It'll be Russell Acoff, A C K O F F, Russell Acoff on systems thinking. Mm-hmm. You'll find it on YouTube. Um, Interestingly, these are timeless concepts. So the fact that he did it, I think in the 70s, uh, it is no less valid today. It's exactly the same. Right. right. But uh, for me, the the more defining moment for me was the book, The Fifth Discipline by Peter Singe. Mm -hmm. That was, that that book is, that's, that I can't say enough about it. (laughs) Outstanding book. It's an easy read. It's not written like a like a academic textbook. Right, right, right. Uh, very easy to understand, but you'll find yourself, if you take a yellow uh, annotator out, uh, you'll find yourself making annotations on every single page of that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, it's cool. Good. Actually, yeah, uh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I, I want to check that out myself, actually. <laughs> well, Pat, thank you so much for talking with me about this. Uh, this is it's always fascinating to, to get into your head and, and to see how you look at the world and how you look at, at uh, topics like this. So uh, it was a lot of fun to chat about this with you. Well, it's good. It's been fun. Thank you. And I, I, you know, I, again, this is, I'm not an academic. I'm an observer, a keen observer, yeah. but uh, hopefully, uh, and nobody wants to post comments correcting my recall of it. Well, of actually. This, but, uh, you know, hold on a minute. The MIT guy said this and you said that. Well, that's fair. That's my view of what the MIT guy yeah. said, not what he said. So. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.